1: Former NFL executive Michael Lombardi, now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: Welcome, welcome into hour two of the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM alongside Michael Lombardi. I'm Stormy Bonantoni. We are live from downtown Las Vegas at Circa Resort in Casino and we just wrapped up a good conversation with our guy Will Hill. Yeah, Our boy Will Hill, multi-talented, covers every sport in the game. So vast. and he, uh, Vastly talented. I, lo- I love him though that he said you're rubbing off on me yeah. too much. I mean,
3: you got to give him, I mean, he's got opinions on everything. You got to give him credit. <laughs>
2: Um, well, one of the things that we were talking about was the San Francisco 49ers and their yeah. win total. He likes them under the 11 and a half. And a lot of that thought process was based on the uncertainty and unknown when it comes to the quarterback position. But you feel fairly confident that it's not Trey Lance.
3: I, I don't see how it could be Trey Lance. I mean, first of all, you know, Kyle knows his locker room and Kyle knows what he wants to do. The biggest lie that was told three years ago when Trey Lance came out was that Kyle Shanahan was going to change his offense, that he needed something different, which is completely ridiculous. Like his offense is multidimensional. It runs the ball. It's the outside inside zone. And he's got great yards after the catch. And then by adding McCaffrey into that fold, they become a team that can substitute without substituting. That makes you very dangerous because you could be an 11 personnel, one back, one receiver, one back, one, one back, one tight end, and and still have McCaffrey on the field. He's a receiver. Now he's a Mm -hmm. running back. So it becomes very challenging. And I think he likes a quarterback who can run, but who only runs to make a play, not runs to run. And that's Lance. The fact that Lance hasn't played in – didn't play his high school – didn't play his senior year in college – has missed his entire pro career, there's no chance. Now, could he come in and have a great camp? I don't know, coming off the ankle. But I do know this, Brock Purdy played nine games the way they wanted Lance to play at least one game. Yep. So I don't think there's a lot of confidence within the building.
2: Well, and that's the thing. Like, I, I've said it time and time again, Brock Purdy played more games this year as Mr. Irrelevant, a third-stream quarterback, coming in and largely you know, saving the day for a team that needed it and help getting them to the spot that they did in the playoffs – From a a guy in Trey Lance who has played fewer games in four years than Brock Purdy played in one season. Yet, Trey Lance, because he was traded up for to be taken number three overall from the San Francisco 49ers a few years back, is the odds-on favorite to take the first snap of the season for the 49ers. So while you don't think Trey Lance is the answer, do you think that is going to be since it's already recognized maybe inside the building how that's going to work in terms of training camp and health of the rest of the room is sam darnold at plus 350 kind of interesting if yeah, brock Purdy's really not ready
3: i think i mean look you know the here's we are dealing in the perception time of football and no one looks at the evidence they just have a perception of sam darnold last year he played well through seven touchdown pass at three interceptions you know, had a chance to to make a couple plays in the Tampa game, which would have won through a bad interception there. But on the whole, he played really well. Well, you say, well, Lombardi, he, they ran the ball in Carolina. Well, what do you think they're going to do in San Francisco? They're going to run the ball. They're going to run outside zone, inside zone. They're going to run the ball. They're going to run play action out. And they're going to make him a better player. They're going to give Sam Darnold the offense that kind of fits him, which is what Carolina was starting mm-hmm. to do until they fired Matt Rule. And then they replaced him. He got hurt. Had Carolina played Darnold the entire year, they might have won more games. They might have won the South. So I, I don't dismiss Sam Darnold as this horrendous signing. I think it was a really good signing. Besides, Walsh always said this, and I think it's so true. There's very few people who can coach the quarterback and even fewer that can evaluate him. They have a guy in San Francisco named Kyle Shanahan that can coach the quarterback. He will make Sam Darnold play well, just like he made Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy play really well. Mm-hmm. Remember, Brock Purdy didn't have a strong enough arm, even though he started 49 games in college. You know, he was too small. He played really well for them. And I think Will Hill's right. Had he stayed healthy in the game, they might have won the game.
2: He has, Shanahan does, a, a system and the talent within that system that can make a quarterback shine. No doubt. And so I I like the idea of Sam Darnold stepping in. I just, I think that something that myself and a lot of 49ers fans have question marks about is just that because we haven't gotten the opportunity to see Trey Lance enough, is that going to maybe be something where management is going to say we have to see, we have to give him another well, shot? But
3: they have seen, they watched. I them mean, practice. I mean, in terms of
2: actual NFL games. But they
3: watched them practice. You can't. You have to be good in practice. Execution becomes game reality. That's the sign that hangs in the Patriots room, it, it, and that's true. Practice execution becomes. If you're not good in practice, you're not going to be good in the game. Mm-hmm. And Lance struggled, and I go back to the Houston preseason game where he really struggled against Lovey Smith's generic cover two, Tampa two defense, and he couldn't make easy throws. Completion percentage over-expected. That's where he was really bad. The kid hasn't played enough football. They took an athlete. The, Lance should be a lesson for teams that they are want going Anthony down. Richardson? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it should be a lesson because how are we going to fix this? Do we have somebody in the room that can fix this? Like, you're going to, if you're an owner of an NFL team and you're getting ready to draft Anthony Richardson, you're going to say, okay, explain to me who is going to fix him and how we're going to fix him. If you can't answer those two questions, how do you pick them?
2: I would also say on the other end of that, and I'm sorry that I'm making us flip-flop here, but Bryce Young, too, all of his flack getting about – it's all about his size, right, oh. and about his durability. Trey Lance is a big-bodied guy, and he's just been injury-prone. Uh, Why uh, is that something that – like, Bryce Young, He yes, he injured his shoulder last year, but he has not proven to be injury-prone.
3: Right, and, and he played through it. And yes. he played through yeah. it. I mean, you know, and so, no, he's not an injury-prone. What, what, what Bryce Young has that's different than Tua, Bryce Young has incredible instincts. Tua's instincts are nowhere near this. Tua, you have to tailor the offense for Tua – we're going, to run, we're going to run read option. We're going to throw it here high-low. Bryce Young is a complete look at the field and determine where he's going with the football. Completely, they're two different players. One guy, because he has to do the reads, is going to get hit more, whereas Bryce Young has a better sense of feel and instincts to move in the pocket. So they're different. And so to compare two of his injuries to Bryce Young's is unfair. Mm-hmm. The fact that you make about Trey Lance, yeah. I mean, he's been injury-prone his whole career because he doesn't understand how to protect his body. And I think Bryce Young will. I've said this before. We said it earlier today. If he's 6'2", he's the first mm-hmm. pick in the draft. He's a generational talent in terms of his ability to play quarterback. Mm-hmm. we He is born to play quarterback. He's got that Joe Burrow it. He's got the Patrick Mahomes it in his play. You can't underestimate that. C.J. Stroud doesn't have that. He may be a good player, but he doesn't have that it factor.
2: No, but C.J. Stroud is... People call him the "quote safer choice," and I don't like that verbiage. It's not safer. He's the comfortable choice. He's the familiar choice. Bryce Young, because you look at comps in size to a Kyler Murray or a Johnny Manziel or whatever you want to look at. Johnny Manziel
3: would have been a good player in the NFL if he had any character off the field. If he would would have taken football seriously. Again, Manziel, what he did at Texas A&M was rare, and he could have played. However, you know, don't confuse his ability with his character. Mm -hmm. His character. Is was what caused him the problem. Plus, they, you know, they bring him in, he starts doing they didn't they didn't have a plan for him when they drafted him. I think when you draft Bryce Young, you've got to have a plan.
2: Yeah. And but you're not gonna have the problems with Bryce Young no, that you had kids. with they're completely, completely different.
3: different. Again, character matters. Yes.
2: Okay, Char- all this to go back to San Francisco. Okay. Because I want to get your opinion on their general expectations. They are odds on favorite to win the NFC West, plus 350 in the NFC. Nine to one, anywhere between seven to one and nine to one to win the Super Bowl. Even with the thought process that San Francisco is going to be a very good team and they do have the you know the opportunity to play in the NFC, which is going to be the easier of the two conferences. Are these numbers still just too short for where they're at right now?
3: Well, I think the West is is not good. I mean, the Cardinals—we talked about them on the five and under, five and a half and under—they're going to be bad. I mean, they're going to be bad. Kyle yeah. Shanahan will carve up Jonathan Gannon's defense. I mean, it will be just carving. The Rams are signing minimum salary players. They have no draft choices, right? And and they've got a quarterback who they just guaranteed fifty-seven million to, who they're proclaiming is healthy but he hasn't been hit in six months. So how healthy is he? I think Seattle can be a dangerous team because Seattle's going to add two first-round picks to their team. Their right, right and left tackle were both rookies last year. They're going to get better. Geno Smith played well. They're going to get better defensively. So I think that's the only competition. But again, let's go back to what we talked about. The wet, The NFC, where are their elite teams besides Philly, besides Dallas? I mean, is Detroit an elite team? I don't see it. Right? I, I don't see it's it.
2: always like, well, you think they're gonna be better, right? Like but I mean Dallas is elite? not elite. No. Like I, I'm going down the list in my head. The Giants are not elite. No. The Vikings are gonna take a step back. They can't win that many more one score games I mean, the, again. The
3: commanders, we talk about their eight eight, and you know, Ron Rivera, you know, hasn't been in the playoffs, has he hasn't had a winning season in six years. They lose to the Giants once in, in at home and they lost to the and they tied the Giants. I mean, if they're a great team, they beat the Giants. I I think the sleeper teams are Carolina and Seattle. I think if Carolina drafts Bryce Young, which I believe they will, I think that'll make them a better team. I I think if Atlanta had Lamar Jackson, they would be a a better team. I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback, but to me, I I don't have the sense that Ritter is going to be able to do to make that giant step, because when you watch him play at the end of last year, he had a hard time being very accurate with the football.
2: I'm looking at this odds board, and I genuinely feel like Carolina should be shorter than the bears in terms of these. Well, odds. this whole
3: thing is all done by perception because people actually think Justin Fields is a good player. He averaged 22 passes. He fumbled 16 times last year. Nobody looks at the data. Is he an elite athlete with the ball in his hand? Absolutely. Can he run with it? Absolutely. They, they, they were behind eight and a half point that they, they were the last team in the league in point differential at eight and a half. Their defense isn't good enough. I mean, the, to them and the saints, they're two different teams. The saints have a chance. Well, to and- me, the Vikings are not that good either. Yeah. But the Vikings have offensive talent. The Bears, to me, are just a misconception because of their over. Look, we got some idiot that thinks Justin Fields is the best quarterback in the NFC.
2: <laughs> I thought that was an April Fool's joke when you posted that. I, mean, I was just- like, ah, come on. It's got to nope. That was that was real. Um, with the Bears, though, my thing is uh, they were just kind of like a team that you mentioned earlier who. Could get out to a good start to the season until teams kind of figure out what they're well, they, doing, right? They, That's what happened with Chicago last year. Is they won a few games, did.
3: yeah. Once you, and now you're going in the season, you know Justin Fields isn't going to throw it, so you're going to play the six back attack, and he's not as done, and he can't make those easy throws.
2: I hate when we're having a good heated conversation and then the music comes in, which means we got to shut up and we got to go to a commercial break. But hey, ladies and gentlemen, the bills have to be paid. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to look at some teams maybe destined for disappointment. So which of these teams who made the playoffs last year are going to miss this year?
0: Wherever you're listening.
1: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on FSN, the sports betting network.
2: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vSyn.com and check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving for every game? Well, the betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes. So you can see the changes in action. Find out where the public's betting based on the number of tickets. And where the money does not match the public opinion, you can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits, another way, VSIN's here to make you a more informed, better year round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VSIN.com. Thank you to at supreme underscore doc for the tweet said if you're making a glossary of Lombardiisms, the first entry's gotta be M V P Mitch. Yes. Said I live in Pittsburgh, so he's often a topic of conversation and I sometimes yeah. refer to him that way around normal people and just get blank stares.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's I, fantastic. I, I mean that was that was what, I think it was nineteen when people were make making that stupid bet. And that's when I came up with the idea of look, let's just make it a St. Jude's play. Like, just give the money to St. Jude's. These poor kids need it. If you're betting MVP Mitch to win the to to win the most valuable player in the league, you're blind. I mean, you're really blind. You're just throwing money <laughs> out the window. So he will forever be MVP Mitch.
2: MVP Mitch, St. Jude's play.
3: Mayor um, well, we, of
2: Munchkin Land. Mayor of
3: Munchkin Land. We, you know, we. Teddy
2: we, two gloves. Teddy two. What gloves. do you have for Tua? What's Tua?
3: I don't really have Tua. Okay. I, I haven't really nicknamed Tua, but you Good know the, the 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 thing about Tua is you're not allowed. What, what Patrick and I would often say about Tua is you're not allowed to say anything bad about him because God forbid if you say anything bad <laughs> okay. about him, because if you do, you're going to come. The Arsenal's coming after you. You know you can't say anything bad. It's it's sad because you know Howard Cosell used to say this all the time. If we see it, we have to say it, and we lost this element. And you know, like I don't dislike Tua, but I, I was paid for almost 40 years to evaluate town in the National Football League and so if I see something that I believe from my experiences I've got to say it I see it I say it so uh, it's not that I dislike the player but to me you know if you're Kyler Murray and your behavior and Mm -hmm. everybody's on the field looking at Buda Baker as he suffers an injury and you're sitting on the bench that's a problem and if we don't point that out to the fans of the betters then we're not doing our job there's a disconnect within the locker room it's funny you know, when the Washington, co- the conversation came out, I remember the punter, which was it used to be the general manager of the. Uh, I don't never say his name because it never will say his name. Like so, Voldemort. Like yeah. So the punter from Sanford, uh, the, the the Washington. Said, oh, we have a great culture. I, I, I'm I'm uh, 500 miles away from. Them. I know their culture was horrendous. You could just look at their mm-hmm. team and know their culture is bad. So, and part of it is what Mike Samich talked about. Part of it is what. What other betters see when you when you see a team and you say, wait a minute, you start adding things up, wait, well, I'm going to play that. That looks really good. And you have to, there's more to the story than just the numbers.
2: Mm-hmm. One of the wonderful perks about, about you and your insight is not only are you a wonderful evaluator, but you also are very in the know and you have great relationships around the league. There was a report that came out within the last hour or so from Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk talking about the New England Patriots and the team and Bill <laughs> Belichick, shopping around quarterback Mac Jones. What do you make of the report?
3: Well, first of all, you know, I'm not sure that Mike is wired within that organization. Just going to take a guess there, you know, and I'm sure somebody said this to him. I'm not saying he's making it up, but knowing Bill as well as I know Bill, Bill's not going out there and shopping any player. You know, if someone calls him and says, is this player available? You know, then I think obviously he'll say, Okay, what, what, do you, what do you want to do? You know, are you interested in you want something? Listen. Mm-hmm. That's the job of a general manager is to listen. I've said this a long time. If someone called me up, if, if I called Eric DaCosta up and I'm in the league and I talk about Lamar Jackson and I'm trying to see if he'll trade Lamar Jackson, that doesn't mean he wants to trade Lamar Jackson. That's just me trying to get him to trade Lamar Jackson. So if somebody was calling about Mac Jones because they're reading all this discontent, discontent online, then that doesn't mean he's trying to trade the player. That means teams are trying to see if he would trade the player. Mm-hmm. If he wanted to trade the player, the player would have been traded by now. If he wanted to do it, he would have done it. Just like if he wanted to to trade John, John Smith, he traded John U. Smith. So a lot of this is semantics that come into play. Every player is available. I would say probably not 10 players in the league are not available.
2: Yeah. I mean, you speak to the dissension, and I think that's kind of the key part of this is that the narrative that, oh, like, Bill Belichick was unhappy with the way that Mac handled himself last year on the sideline. Didn't like the body language. Did didn't like him, like him it? screaming at the coordinator. No, nobody did. But liked it? The same thing with like, Kyler who, Murray. Who, the who same thought thing. it
3: was good? It was childish. It was spoiled brat. It was behavior. You know, I mean, and, and when he went to go t- and, he, and he cheap-shotted the tackle on the player, I mean, nobody liked it. His teammates didn't like it. So, like, I, I don't understand how Belichick's getting criticized for not liking it when no one liked it. I mean, y- you know, and I'll say this. It's what Kraft said. Mac played really good as a rookie. Josh McDaniels, he was well coached. Last year, he did not play well. He was making excuses. He did not hold any accountability for his actions. He's got to play good. His career is at a crossroads right now. He's got to turn around and say, I'm going to play much better and be the player that I was as a rookie. I can't change. I can't be this complainer. I got to be a leader. I got to accept responsibility. And he's not going to endear himself to his teammates.
2: The teams reportedly that have been in talks with the Patriots are the Raiders, Texans, Bucks, and Commanders. Quote, the Raiders are the ones to keep watching, according to Florio.
3: Well, I mean, the Raiders just signed Jimmy Garoppolo.
2: They just signed Jimmy Garoppolo, and they just had a a lovely meeting with Will Levis yesterday.
3: And they signed Brian Hoarder to be the backup. I just don't think they're going to do that. Now, after next year, if something happens to Mac Jones and he's not a starter, would I think they'd be interested? Sure, because I think Josh knows Mac Jones well enough. Mac Jones is not an overly gifted quarterback. He, you have to rely on his intelligence and his decision-making. People have this notion that Mac Jones and Billy O'Brien were locked at the hip at Alabama. They spent like two days together, right? That's all they did. But the mythology that continues to come out is, is wrong. And nobody's reporting the facts. Mac has his back against the wall. He's got to play good. I think he he, he accepted the, the success he had, and it went to his head a little bit last year. And he was put in a very difficult spot. The offensive line wasn't good last year. The the coordination of the offense wasn't good last year. All those things. But he's got to assume responsibility for turning the ball over. Mm-hmm. And then when Bailey Zappi came in, they played well. So you say, well, Belichick said he's not going to be the starter. Well, he's not giving out any starting jobs until you start playing. It's still
2: Bill Belichick at the he end of the day. Out any starting jobs. Do we, are, like, do we realize who we're talking about here? We're trying to
3: get clicks. That's what we're trying to do. We're tr- and, and we as betters have to cut through that. Do I think Mac Jones will play better this year? Yeah, I do. Do I think the Patriots are better than their 8-9 record that they were last mm-hmm. year? Yeah, I do. Do I think they didn't have a good season last year? Yeah, I think Belichick made mistakes in the offensive coordinator, the offensive line coach. I think there was a lot of situations in games where they just turned the ball over unlike a Patriot team. There's far, I mean, and there's all this criticism. In reality, he accepts too.
2: And uh, speaking to that eight and nine season they had a year ago, the win total set for 2023-24 is set at seven and a half. And we talked a little bit earlier this week that maybe an over actually would be an interesting play there. Now to pay off the tease, these last couple minutes of the block, Michael, um, I mentioned teams destined for disappointment. Are they or aren't they? Um, number of playoff teams last year with odds to actually miss the playoffs this year. And I mean in the NFC, overwhelmingly, obviously the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who won their division. Got a spot in the playoffs. They are a minus 500 favorite now to miss. The Giants, also a odds-on minus number to miss the playoffs. The Vikings, minus 135 to miss. The Seattle Seahawks, minus 110 both ways. Um, So a 50-50 shot for them to make or miss. Any of those teams that that you think can make it?
3: I thought Baker Mayfield was really bad last year. And for him to get another crack at a starting job to me is almost, you didn't watch the tape. Other than the final drive against the Raiders where he made a couple throws against man coverage that he kind of knew it was out there, he was really bad last year. He just couldn't complete anything. He did not have any confidence. He played scared. He wasn't very good. I think this Bucks team's headed in the wrong way. I think when you take the, you take a personality like Brady out of the locker room, who was in control of everything, I think it's going to slip, 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 slip. And I just think their cap situation, because they've spent so much money over the last three years to get to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl, they're going to have to pay the Piper. I think their win total is down. I think they're not going to be very good next year. I think it's going to be going to be very challenging for them, especially with no quarterback. Could I see them draft a quarterback? Yeah, I, I could see that. I could definitely see them having to draft a quarterback because they need one, and Baker's not the answer.
2: Are there any of those teams in the NFC that we just showed up there that – made the playoffs that you think, um, like, not only, like, can, I'm trying to look at some of these plus money prices on here. So the Bucks and Giants are plus money, and Vikings are plus money all to make it. The Cowboys, Eagles, and 49ers are all plus money to miss it. Any of those that are interesting? I, I don't
3: know how the Vikings can duplicate what they duplicated last. They won so many close games. Yeah. The ball bounced perfectly for them. And, look, the Giants, if you want to bet the Giants – You're you're saying they got better, but you can't explain how they've gotten better. You can't, you know, will Thibodeau play better next year? Yeah, sure, because he was a good player this year. So their draft from last year. But you're you're relying on Daniel Jones to come in and have a better season. The guy averaged under seven yards per attempt last year. Do we realize this? Like, no one looks at the numbers. The guy threw checkdowns. He never threw the ball down the field. They managed him so that he wouldn't hurt them.
2: I think what the Vikings have in their favor is that the NFC North is still – pretty wide open regardless of how they play. And the NFC's wide open. Yep, no question. Um, We are going to step aside. When we come back, we'll get back to the NFL draft, which is quickly approaching this month. Thor Nystrom is going to join us and help us break it all down.
1: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host Stormy Bonatoni on FSN, the sports betting network.
2: Get everything you need to bet on baseball this season with 24-7 streaming. Daily best bet emails, including advice, data, and strategy for just $9.99 when you become a V-CIN subscriber. Our experts are also getting ready for golf's first major of the year coming up this week at Augusta for this year's Masters betting guide. Wes Reynolds profiles each player in the field and our guy Matt humans tells his best Bets, outrights, top 20s, all of the good stuff. Sign up today. Get full access to v through the NFL Draft for only $9.99 at vcin.com slash subscribe. Speaking of the NFL Draft, we will welcome in now Thor Nystrom, NFL Draft and college football analyst for betting pros at Thor KU on Twitter. He's got a mock draft up right now on fantasypros.com, as well as some deep dives on different positions. Thor, what's going on?
1: Hey, guys. Good to be with you.
2: Yes, and it is a a hectic month ahead of the draft coming up here beginning on April 27th. And uh, as far as your evaluations go, we're taking a look at the mock you have up right now. And you went Stroud 1 and Bryce Young 2. Why?
1: Uh, you know, part of it's the the stuff that we heard about Frank Reich with the the preference to go the with the the taller quarterbacks. He just hasn't started many quarterbacks that are that are you know lower than six foot four, whatever, uh, shorter than six foot four. That I mean, th- that's a part of it. I also saw the the pro day workout where Josh McCown was there with Stroud, and he was telling him about when you move here, we're gonna pick out the basketball court. We'll we'll be going out for the one on one games. Everything I've heard is that Stroud is the guy for the Panthers, and. Maybe some smoke screens have been tossed out, try to incentivize Houston to move up to number one for the guy that seems to be on the top of their board, Bryce Young. But I think at the end of the day, Panthers stamp out a one-take Stroud, and Texans stamp out a two-and-take uh, Bryce Young. Uh,
3: Thor, let me ask you, if Bryce Young were 6'2", where would he go in this draft?
1: He'd be number one, no doubt about it. So
3: what you're saying to me is he's clearly the better player.
1: To me, yeah. When I watch the tape, yeah, over the the, the past couple of years, yeah, he has been the more impressive quarterback for so sure. So
3: why would we take the lesser player over the better player like I get where you're going with Frank Wright I get that I'm not sure Frank Wright deserves to have any say in this considering that he was responsible for Philip Rivers responsible for Carson Wentz and responsible for Matt Ryan at the Colts so I'm not sure you really want to take what Frank Wright has to say when it comes to evaluation but why would you take the lesser player
1: that's a fair point i think beyond beyond the height right likes the guys more that are going to run his system from within the pocket more when you you give him the play he's going to run it exactly how you want it to whereas brett he's more the facilitator bryce young is the creator like he doesn't want anything put on his plate because he figures everything out in the moment you know he sets up a little bit deeper in the pocket those deeper sets so he has more of the runway and he also has the wider field vision of the entire field um, that's the guy where, again, it's it's all on Bryce Young making those decisions in the moment, stuff extending plays, scrambling around the broken plays, finding people that are running free downfield, stuff like that. It just seems like the the preference for the guys that are in that building right now, that that's what would lead you towards Stroud. That's also what I'm hearing. But I, I, I don't disagree with you. Bryce Young would be my pick at, at one if, if, you know, if I was one of these teams. Yeah,
3: I'm hearing the opposite, but we all hear different things and certainly understand it. If you were making the pick for Carolina, A, who would you pick, and B, do you have Hayden, Hayden Hooker in the first round, Hayden Hooker in the first round?
1: I, I would take Bryce Young if I was Carolina, and to the Hayden the Hooker thing, no. Um, I, I don't even have him in the second round. To me, he's a third-round prospect. I've heard some of the smoke of him moving up into the first round. I guess I'll believe it when I see it. There's, there's just too many red flags on that guy's profile to take there, and the ceiling isn't high enough even if he hits.
2: No, I think that's good, especially because one of the draft markets out there that's been getting a lot of attention is the quarterback position at over or under Four and a half quarterbacks to go in the first round. And there was, it seemed, you know, value, quote unquote, at plus 550 about a week or so ago or when it opened. And now it's at plus 125, which is just unbettable. Like, I understand people may be like, oh, it's a good plus money price. Maybe there's a chance it could happen. But now it's just unbettable. And I don't think it's worthwhile for a guy who's going to be 26 years old and not even able to play coming off of the ACL. Um, so maybe just stay away from that one from a betting perspective, unless you're going to take the the minus 165 juice on the under. The total running backs prop in the first round is set at one and a half. The over again, kind of one of those more attractive prices at three to one. You have Bijan Robinson from Texas going 22 to Baltimore in your latest draft, but could a Jameer Gibbs maybe sneak in and go early? I know it's really really tough to take a first round running back.
1: Yeah, potentially, but you know, at those odds I'm not taking the the over on on the running back. I would be surprised if if one of those teams in the back end of the first took Gibbs. It just he just doesn't profile as one of those first rounders that we've seen in recent years unless you want to, you know, like uh uh Clyde edwards elair obviously came out of left field. Gibbs is a better prospect than 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 uh, edwards is, but he doesn't profile as that bell cow type that you know, we've typically seen go in the first round here in the last five years or so when that position's been devalued. So for me, it would be under that that one and a half number. But I know the juice is against you on it. Yeah, why would you? Uh, you
3: know, Will Anderson to me is an intriguing prospect. Everybody has him as this elite guy, and, and I watch the tape and I'm trying to find these elite plays. I haven't seen them. I know there's a perception of it, but when I watch Jalen Carter, I see elite. If you had a pick between either one of those guys, regardless of position, who you taking?
1: Jalen Carter, pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, you just don't see guys that move like Jalen Carter, guys that impact the game both against the run and the pass, like, like Jalen Carter does. It's just the immediate penetration every single time. You know, like, uh, Mike, I don't know how far you have to go back to find a guy who who is that difficult to block, play in, and play out. But, you know, and Dominican Sue is one of the ones that we think about. I comp him to Warren Sapp. But you just don't see guys every year that come out like that. Will Anderson's a good player, but on the field, there's a couple nitpicks about him. You know, he's a little bit stiff coming off the edge, stuff like that. Jalen Carter, as far as the on-field thing, there's really not any questions you can have about him.
3: You know, I think sometimes, though, a guy has a great junior year or sophomore year, and he carries that all the way through, and then people don't pay attention to him. I mean, you watch the Tennessee tape. Tennessee's never in a seven-man protection. They're always in a six-man. They get the back out. And Will Anderson, you know, made had a couple good plays, but there's no domination in the game. I mean, you give up 52 points, you know, and you've got this elite pass rusher on the other side. At some point, you're hoping he's going to make a play, create a turnover. I've yet to see it. I keep trying to find it. I'm not against Will Anderson. I know he's got great character, but I don't understand this complete love affair that he's this elite Bruce Smith type pass rusher.
1: I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, the and to your point the year before he just the dominant stats and everything like that, you just hadn't seen stuff like that. I was hoping that his game was going to jump up another level this past season. I think it was more like he took a half step back. You know, that might have just been circumstantial stuff. But I, I think it speaks to your point of the singular on field elite, elite, elite prospects that we see their circumstances, they don't change their production or they don't change the pressure rate or different stuff like that. And they did a little bit for Anderson this past season, whereas with Jalen Carter, it was, again, the immediate penetration every single play. It just is what it is.
2: Here with Thor Nystra, NFL Draft and College Football Analyst over at Betting Pros. Again, that mock draft, his latest out at fantasypros.com right now. In addition to just betting some of these standard first-round specific props, Thor, there's lots of head to heads and different angles that people could get involved in betting the draft. What are some that really stood out to you as you were kind of going through these markets?
1: My favorite bet on the board right now of of any of the bets that you can bet on it's Jack Campbell being drafted over Drew Sanders at even money odds. To me, those odds just seem off. Jack Campbell has been the better player in, in almost every single phase, perhaps barring rushing the passer, but every single other singular phase of the football game, he has been better. And not only that for a longer period of time, Drew Sanders couldn't get on the field with Alabama. I and mean, you could say, oh, they had Will Anderson there and they had these other edge rushers. They were trying to play Drew Sanders at edge rusher earlier on in his career. He transfers to Arkansas, had a good season uh, last year, you know, sort of shifting between the outfall and, and the edge rusher thing. But it, I mean, one of the things that you, you pinned on Drew Sanders was he's this freak athlete. He didn't test as well as Jack Campbell. And he's smaller than Jack Campbell by a little bit, but but even so, he's about 15 pounds less. Jack Campbell t- had a 9.98 raz. That means there's very few linebackers who have ever come into the NFL who tested more athletically than him. Drew Sanders, you know, nothing to scoff at. He was 92nd percentile in terms of his own RAS score, but just not as, not quite the, the athlete that Campbell is. And he's definitely not the player that Jack Campbell is. So I think Jack Campbell is, is going ahead of uh, Drew Sanders. I'm pretty confident in saying that. And with the odds pretty close like that, um, I'm all over Jack Campbell.
3: Where do you have Anthony Richardson going?
1: I had him going for to the Colts, but, you know, there's still some of those things up in the air with the Colts, you know, are they going to do are a last second thing for Lamar Jackson? It doesn't look like that, but what, we'll, you know, we'll end up seeing, it's been hard to get information out of the Indianapolis side. Um, you know, there, there was some of the, the rumors or some of the whispers that ears liked liked uh, Levis, maybe not as some of the other guys, He, the owner liked him more than some of the other football guys. But Richardson would seem to uh, to fit the you know the new coaching staff coming in, the, the mobility aspect, stuff like that, and a guy that they could build around and, and use as a ball of clay.
2: Anthony Richardson just concerns me so much. He's somebody that prior to the combine was being talked about still as like a mid-round type of a guy, and then he has this incredible performance well, where he jumps he really never, high, which is super was, important for a quarterback, by the way. He was never like,
3: mid-round athletically. It was never mid-round athletically.
2: It's accuracy. It, and it's, his
3: quarterbacking plays, yes. you know. And so we all felt that, I, Thor, I don't know how you feel quickly. I thought he'd go back and really refine his game and then come out next year. To me, I think he came out too early.
1: I was hoping that he would. Yeah, especially, you know, you're playing in that wonky Napier offense where they like to bootleg the guy out and do, and do all that sort of stuff. And his receivers weren't the best last year, stuff like that. And he had stuff to work on. There's things you love that even go beyond... The, the athletic profile. I love his pocket press and stuff like that, throwing the ball away, not making mistakes under pressure, but there are questions there for sure. Thor, Thanks, awesome Thor. stuff. Appreciate Thank you. you. Thank you so Appreciate much. You guys.
2: Follow him Thank on you. Twitter as well at Thorku. but he's got some, some really good draft primers out there, breaking down all the quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, and a whole lot more.
0: And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write.
1: Hopefully having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatone on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: BetMGM, the king of sports books, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas? You can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotels at over 20 MGM Rewards properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. Sign up today with BetMGM or log on to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We are wrapping things up on the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM, live from downtown Las Vegas. It is time for our pro tip. Of the show, and Michael, I thought I was very astute by you early on when we were talking about some of these these season win totals and targeting overs and unders that maybe go by conference here as you're looking at some of these early numbers.
3: Yeah, I, I think the NFC, to me, because of the lack of quarterbacking play, in the NFC with Aaron Rodgers eventually going to get to the Jets. Can you imagine we've gone through an entire show? We haven't mentioned Aaron Rodgers yet. Or
2: Lamar Jackson. Who well, are we? A little
3: bit of Lamar, but I mean, not, you barely, know, not barely. enough. Barely. Barely. But, you know, so you've got with Aaron moving to the AFC, the AFC is loaded with quarterbacks and the NFC isn't, you know, and so when Jalen Hurts or Justin Fields is allegedly the best quarterback of the NFC, there's a great opportunity that's because these totals to me in the you could win you could rack up some wins in the mm-hmm. NFC because you're really not playing against great quarterbacks. Every person who's involved in the NFL never looks at the schedule in terms of who they play. It's what quarterback do they play and how many do they play in a row. Like that's the challenge. So if you go from you're playing Justin Herbert to Lamar Jackson to Patrick Mahomes, that's a tough road stretch. You better be really good defensively. And whereas if you're playing Justin Fields, Matthew Stafford, or or Kyler Murray, you know, you're not that you're not as worried about that group because you can just see it in the numbers. I mean, the numbers on some of these guys, when you break them down, Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield had probably the worst year of a quarterbacking in anybody. How he got another contract, I don't know. But you know, nobody watched the tape. So to me, that's how you evaluate it. And that's why I think the NFC is you have a chance to go over because some of those teams are, may not be good, but they're playing against bad teams.
2: No, I think that's great. And as you look at the win totals, they've only been out for about a week or so. Um, but as you're looking at them, maybe for the AFC, it's targeting unders. For the NFC, you're targeting overs. Betting advice, uh, pro tips at vcin.com. I will say this.
3: It, it, we are April the 4th, 5th. I don't know what day it is, April Fourth. Here, 4th. Fourth. Okay. So there'll be a team. There'll be two teams from the AFC that'll be better than the 6th and 7th seed in the NFC. Okay. This time next year, I mean, when we go to the playoffs, I I truly the AFC is loaded, it's really loaded, and you could be a little Yukonish, it be a really good team and be a sixth seed in the AFC and have be hot at the right time and get to the Super Bowl. The NFC, we saw it this year. You knew that you know Minnesota had no chance to go anywhere. We knew the Giants had no chance to go anywhere. I mean, there was it was clear that a couple of those teams that made even if Washington would have made it. They weren't going to go. So, and I don't think that's changed at all. Detroit actually was a better team at the end of the year than the Giants or, uh, you know, the Giants were at the seventh seed.
2: Detroit bummed me out, by the way, because I, after hard knocks, was all in. I was like, "Let's go! I am on the Campbell train. We yeah. are doing things." And then they were so bad early on that it was so disappointing. I, but they I'm did. Still not on they the rebuilt train. up. See, I am. I'm not
3: on it. I I just think that that you know I think it's a cerebral game. I think you've got to be smart, tactical, and it's a strategy. I think Ben Johnson. I didn't calculate him into the equation. As good as he did calling games, because I thought he was brilliant. He really did a nice job, and they had the right calls at the right time. But I I just think that wears on you, that whole rah-rah stuff that Mm kind of gets you. you, 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 The NFL is a marathon, and your tone has to stay pretty much the same in talking to the players and communicating your message. And you win through intellect, not through let's go get them.
2: I'll still never get over how bizarre a feeling it is to look at the division odds and seeing the Detroit Lions as the favorite right now. You have to go
3: back to Buddy Parker. You don't even know who Buddy Parker is. I mean, you have to go back to those days. I mean, when... When, when, they were down, when they were a good team in the 50s. Because there was a time where the Lions were good. But we haven't seen it in a lot of lifetimes. I mean, even as me growing up. I mean, they weren't good then. You know, they had Barry Sanders. They had the Scott Mitchell era with Herman Moore. They made the playoffs. They won a playoff game. But they're few and far between with Wayne Fonts.
2: Yeah, the Lions, plus 135 favorite in the NFC North. Meanwhile, Green Bay, the longest shot in the division. How about that? And our more, how about LaFleur?
3: He comes out and says, you know, it would be nice to have experience at receiver. <laughs> Jordan Love, don't lower your expectations. I mean, we are going to learn about Matt LaFleur moving forward. We really so, are.
2: I get... I get what he was trying to do, and I get what Matt Lafleur was saying when he was talking to the media the other day about all this. But the fact that he just kept going—he oh, was yeah. saying, "Yeah, let's like let's temper our expectations a little bit." He's not going to come out here and be Aaron Rodgers. He's not. And hey, Aaron Rodgers did have a losing season his first year as a starter in Green Bay. But I just like, why are we doing this? Yeah,
3: like you're <laughs> just trapping yourself. It's okay. Because what I think some of these young coaches don't understand is when you're talking to the media in that setting, you're really not talking to the media. You're talking to your fans and your team. Yes. Because they're listening. You know, you, it's one thing to think that Mike Florio pro football talks listening. It's another thing you, you have to direct your message to the team. So when Jordan love heard that, what do you think he thought?
2: So I would hope that he personally, at least, cause I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. I would think that Jordan would say, okay, I appreciate that. You know, coach is trying to get people off my back and give me an, opportunity to start nice. from square one. Nice. I, I, know, but, I think he probably said, wait like,
3: a minute. I think I just got no confidence. You know. But he's
2: also not starting from square one. He's been there for three years. Like, right. well, this is the third year. Let's get so it going. I,
3: I think Jordan Love's got to sit there and, you know, like he's got to say, hey, look, we're going to build a system. All you had to do was say, we're going to build a system around Jordan Love. We're going to create an atmosphere where we can he can have the most success. Mm-hmm. We know a lot about Jordan Love today than we did when we drafted him, and we're going to use that sale. That's all.
2: And Matt LaFleur, he has been a tremendous regular season head coach with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. Exactly. So that's, that's all I'm going to say there. We'll see how things play out when he, he has to be a real head coach this year and he has to manage a very young green quarterback. And with that kind of, I mean, since Aaron Rodgers is on the brain, one of his requests as he, we believe is going to end up with the New York jets was a, a list of wide receivers. Although it wasn't an actual paper list. We learned he was very upset. Wanted to make that clear. Diana Rossini, how dare you? But, Uh, OBJ was one of those receivers. Um, We saw a report from Adam Schefter that the Ravens have reportedly made an offer to Odell. This has been a really, really long road to figure out where he's going to be, what he's going to do since that ACL. It's all
3: money. I mean, he wants, you know, he says four isn't enough. Like who's paying him? Like, what are we getting? Like, what are we getting? I mean, he hasn't played 16, 17 games in a long time. I think it's got to go back four years when he's done it. He was good when he had Cooper Cup on the other side. You know, he's coming off his second ACL. Where is the juice in his lower body? You know, there, he brings a lot of of outside elements to the team that you've got to kind of manage. So it, it, what am I getting if I pay him? The Ravens are desperate for receivers. Look, they tried to sign Jacoby Myers, offered him more than the Raiders did, but they couldn't get him. You know, they signed Aguilar on a very cheap deal. They're trying to improve their receiving core as best they can because they haven't been able to hit with that. They've been trying, mm-hmm. but they even though they get A's in the draft, they've been trying. They haven't hit. So uh, I, You I, love that. They oh, get A's in the draft. It. I love it. I, I, <laughs> it's, the, it's the funny, and no one mentions it. No one talks about it because it, it, it just goes under. Joe Douglas will get an A this year too. Don't you worry. So it goes underneath the carpet.
2: It's one of those things um, with OBJ that, he he wants to think that he is still like wide receiver relevant. one. The only and people
3: that make him relevant is the worldwide leader because he he gets on the, you know, that's all we come in here today and I look at the big he, board and everybody's talking about he's where will the He's got the name
2: value, they can play the highlights but we, of the it's like the yesterday they, they were catches. asking,
3: well, where will Zeke and where will Zeke Elliott and, and Odell go? Like Zeke, did anybody watch Zeke play? I love Zeke. He's got great character, he's good on the team. He can't run the ball outside the tackles. You know, like, he looks slow. Odell, do you think anybody's going to be scared to press Odell and line up and say, okay, Odell beat us? This whole notion that Odell has this incredible hands and he catches everything, count the drops. Like, there's perception and there's reality. Like, we have to deal in reality.
2: They are my other employer, but that argument specifically, like why are those two players even being talked about in the same conversation? It's a remember when conversation, and you so know weird. from
3: watching The Sopranos, remember when is the lowest form of conversation, and that's what they engage in on these, on these debate shows. Like that's not a debate. They're not going to help either team be good.
2: This was a fun show. I really enjoyed it, Michael. Okay. I'm sad that it had to end, but like all good things, including San Diego State's (laughs) run to a national championship, we got to go. Thanks so much for joining us today. Keep it locked all day, though, right here on v the sports betting network. This is the Lombardi line. We'll be back same time, same place coming up tomorrow.